to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning again. So... I told you today that today is Christ the King Sunday on the Christian calendar. But before we get into that, let's talk calendars for a minute. My five-year-old loves the calendar, especially his classroom calendar. We have his class calendar on our refrigerator and every day of school, he gets the marker out of the drawer and he checks off that day. And if there's something written on that day, he says, mommy, what's happening today? And he gets so excited. Last week, we were excited about the Thanksgiving feast and to see who the mystery reader was going to be. And to be honest, I love the calendar too. I could not survive without my calendar. And I love to have things to look forward to. In fact, this Sunday and the next four Sundays are some of my most favorite in our church calendar year. We have today, Christ the King Sunday, and then all of the Sundays in Advent, and then Christmas Eve. I do hope that you'll join us for the four Sundays of Advent and Christmas Eve. There is approximately five million services to choose from, so there is one for everybody. We'll have our normal four services each of the four Sundays starting next week. And then on Christmas Eve, we have a service at 3, 5, 7, 7.30 in here, 10, and 11. So... I promise there is something for everyone. Spread the, spread the word. Tell your friends. Um, it really is going to be a great season to worship together. And that's exactly what we're preparing for today on Christ the King Sunday. This is a Sunday that helps us move from what we call ordinary time on the church calendar to Advent. Did you know that the stoles we wear in the traditional worship actually correspond with each season of worship in the Christian calendar? So that's why I'm wearing this today. So in ordinary time, which we had, it came up to last week, Easter, all the way to last week, we wear green stoles, and that represents the prospect of everlasting life. We wear white stoles on communion Sundays and the Sundays of Easter and at Epiphany and on Christ the King Sunday which represent joy and purity and splendor. We wear red stoles at Pentecost and during ordinations and installations to represent the movement and the passion of the Holy Spirit. We wear purple stoles at Lent to symbolize grief and repentance. And we wear blue stoles during Advent to represent the gifts of hope, peace, love, and joy that come from Christ. So if you were in the traditional service or have been last week, we wore green. This week, we're wearing white. Next week, we're wearing blue. And now you know why. So what is truly the importance of this day, Christ the King Sunday? Well, it's a day that helps remind us that the event of Christmas that we're preparing for is about much more than a baby in a manger. 
It's about a sovereign Christ coming to save us. It's about the kingdom of God invading the world that so desperately needs it. And the text we're going to read today comes from one that you often hear a Good Friday service. But it also tells us quite a bit about what kind of king and Lord and leader Jesus is. Our scripture passage is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses, or chapter 23, verses 32 through 43. But before we read, let's go to God in prayer. Holy God, we do ask that as we prepare to read your holy scripture, that you would illumine our minds and our hearts to where you are speaking and leading each one of us. Help us to listen. Help us to follow where you lead. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Listen now for the word of our Lord. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, as he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews, it read. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And indeed, we have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus replied to the criminal and said, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This passage has a lot of hard parts and it is not for the faint of heart. But let's be honest, this world is not for the faint of heart. We live in a deeply broken world in need of saving, and God knows that. From the very first sins, humans have continued to miss the mark, causing the world to be messy and chaotic and broken and full of pain. That's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus so big every year, because this is when our Savior entered the world. And this passage tells us so much about Christ, our King. And there's three particular things I want to focus on what we learn about Christ, our King this morning. The first is that he is close to us and he loves us. He's not a distant God, a ruler that's away from everywhere, ruling from on high. He's a God that's both near in spirit and in understanding. He's with us wherever we go in our highest joys, and even when we're in the pits. 
And we know that some of our pits are deeper than others. I'm going to tell you about one pit I was in last weekend. Not a very deep pit, but I'll share it nonetheless. So we had a birthday party at Main Event. Now, if you don't know Main Event, it's a huge complex, and it's got bowling and laser tag and a ropes course and an arcade. Now, I like an arcade. I mean, challenge me to skee-ball, and I am all in. But you'll know what comes with arcades. Tickets. And then tickets lead to the prize wall or the prize room, which lead to five-year-old public meltdowns and minutes of your life that you can never get back. I call it a parenting prison. It's especially awesome in today's world where the signs that says tickets is there, but the tickets are digital, which means they're invisible. So when you're trying to explain to said five-year-old that they have 153 tickets, we just can't see them. It's very hard. And then you turn to look at the prize wall to see what you can get with your 153 tickets. And all the cool things are like 3,000 tickets. It's torture, and as many times as you try to offer solutions to get out, it seems like you're stuck and you can never leave. Again, a parenting prison. Now, I could have saved myself. We could have not gone to the party. We could have left early. I could have lied and told him there was no tickets, but I would never do that. And kids are smart. Except for this is one of my kids' best friends, and let's be honest, he enjoyed the time, and I wouldn't change it. It maybe wasn't the most pleasant time for me, but it was time together. And that's what he remembers. He remembers that I was there and that we had fun and we celebrated his good friend. So no, I didn't save myself because I love him and I want to be with him no matter where that might be. And I think God got a good laugh out of this because with our 153 tickets, we were able to get some handcuffs. <laughs> now, I am not remotely trying to compare myself to Jesus. And this situation is nothing, nothing compared to what he went through. But the fact of the matter is that we have a God who could have saved himself from that awful death on a cross, but he chose to be close to us, to endure all of the human experiences, even the painful ones, even the unfair ones. They taunted him to save himself, but instead he entered the pain that we see all around us. When we deal with heartache and pain, with losses and grief, with suffering, Jesus fully understands. And this is comforting to me. Christ the King is a God that endured pain to be so very close to us, to understand each one of us and what we're going through. And I know that sometimes God can feel far away, but I remind myself over and over again when I feel distant from God 
that God's presence never changes in our lives. It's just our awareness of God's presence that changes. God is with us all the time. There's no pain or evil or brokenness that can separate us from the love of God, a love that is greater than human despair. The second thing that we learn about Christ is that he is a forgiving king. In the midst of this torture, he turns to God in prayer and says, forgive them, Father. Y'all, in the midst of his torture, he turns to God and prays for them, for their forgiveness. Many of y'all know that one of my favorite prayers is the prayer of confession. I love that in worship, we recognize that we need to be open and honest before God and one another, fully expressing our need for a savior and acknowledging his forgiveness for us. This isn't something I ever want to be just ritual or watered down or simple. In fact, German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer would remind us that this forgiveness is not cheap. This forgiveness that we can experience was hard fought, yet it's freely given. This is a hard concept for us, something that's not cheap, but freely given. That seems very countercultural both then and now. Forgiveness transforms and it reforms us and them. Who are the thems that Jesus is talking about? Is this forgiveness for Pilate who knows the right thing to do but instead chooses the wrong thing because of the pressure from people around him? Is this for the crucifiers who murder him? Does this include the religious leaders of the time, the chief priests who, priests who advocated for the unjust punishment? Does this include those in the crowd that had the mob mentality that were saying, crucify him, crucify him? Does this include us that have lied or cheated or gossiped, or stolen? Does this include those of us who have been stingy or unjust? Does this include those of us that have chosen discord over unity or hatred over love? The simple but profound answer is yes. Simple answer to a deeply complex gift. It's a message that we preach often, but we cannot forget how incredibly significant this is. Through Christ our King, we are offered the mysterious and deep gift of forgiveness. Present day theologian Lincoln Galloway says that forgiveness is a gracious gift containing the seeds of transformation that may grow and bloom with every moment of respect and reverence for the life and dignity and humanity for all of God's children. And that gift of forgiveness is given through the grace of Jesus that allows us to be reconciled with God, to be part of God's family. And that brings about hope. And that's the third thing that we're going to focus on today. Christ the King is a King of hope. 
Let's look at what brings hope in this particular passage. Luke is the only one of the gospel writers that includes this conversation between Jesus and the second criminal. But this is the last person that has dialogue with Jesus. The criminal said, and we indeed have been condemned justly for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And then he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Are y'all getting what this criminal is saying and how incredible this is? This criminal is acknowledging that Jesus is innocent when no one else around is doing that. And what's more than that is that he acknowledges Jesus's kingship. He knows, he knows the truth. He knows Jesus is king and he reaches out to plead with Jesus. This is a reminder that the cross is part of Jesus's kingship. Jesus is the redeemer of Israel and his kingdom will know no end. This is good news. And Jesus's answer to the criminal is one of ultimate hope. He says, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. He gives this criminal hope in the face of death. The same hope that we can claim. The author of Luke is really fond of noting that God's kingdom has invaded today. And the word today is important to him. Today then, today now, and the todays to come. Remember in Luke 2, he says, today is born a savior for all people. In Luke 19, he says, today salvation has come. And in our passage, today you will be with me in paradise. Carla Swafford Works, who's a New Testament professor at Wesley Theological Seminary, says that paradise is God's creation restored when God has rectified the world. And she says in Luke's gospel, God's kingdom, the criminal experiences God's kingdom because he sees who Jesus really is. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is restoration. And in him, this criminal places hope. And Galloway, who I mentioned before, expounds on this offer of paradise, saying to us, the offer of paradise is not a distant reward. It is the offer today of toil that is not futile. It is the hard work today of caring for those dying right next to us on their own crosses. Crosses of neglect and disrespect, crosses of poverty and crosses of abuse, Crosses of senseless violence that leave families in pain and despair. And he says it's the ultimate gospel message for everyone who walks this human journey to experience forgiveness and compassion as Jesus leans over from his cross to their cross, to our crosses, and whispers, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Friends, we need Jesus. He is Christ the King, a King that is close and loving and forgiving and full of hope. The kingdom of God invading our world is the very best thing that has ever happened to us. This is the good news. And we could stop right there. 
But I don't think we can because as recipients of this amazing love and hope and forgiveness, Jesus calls us to share that kind of love with others. There's this response to the good news. You've all heard in John chapter 13 where Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. We just read about how Jesus loves us. That's the kind of love we are supposed to be showing to others. We are called to participate in this kingdom work by showing love and forgiveness and sharing the hope of Jesus in our world. And that's the work that Roswell Presbyterian has been committed to and is still committed to. And why I feel so very blessed to be part of this church family, committed to participating in God's kingdom here on earth by walking alongside one another, showing love to one another, and caring for one another. And I thought about just this week, the ways I've seen this. This is just the way I've seen it in my, my personal life here on church campus this week. I saw Betsy Homer loving on our college student that's at UVA, who was hurting and devastated by the shootings. Mark Robertson worked tirelessly to make sure that we could provide communion to several people who can't be here at church. And it was a calendar nightmare. But he wanted to make sure that they were able to participate in this holy meal together. Our flower power ministry that delivers flowers every week took even more flowers than they normally do to those that were hurting or needed a little light of joy. Our Kaya Bible study couldn't meet in person, but still made it a point to pray together. There was a prayer with a family who lost their wife and mother too young to breast cancer. Scott Weimer brought a message of healing and wholeness to those experiencing loss and grief. We made space for those experiencing addiction and recovery to come together and support one another. A church member reached out to be a confirmation mentor to help a young person on their faith journey. Our Stephen ministers met and prayed with for 30 people. Our fifth graders made 180 snack packs for our neighbors at Homestretch. Jane Howland scoured the church to find all the tissue boxes so that they would be there when people needed them during the service on Tuesday. I could go on and on, but it would take all day. These are just a few of the things that I personally saw this week. You all are living out the call to love others as Jesus loves us. And it's inspiring. Friends, the kingdom of God has invaded our world through Christ, the King, who is close to us and brings about love, forgiveness, and hope. Let us continue to rejoice in that and to go out and share it with the world. Amen. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. 
Thanks for listening. 